This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. There are some things that the Spirit of the Lord recently shared with me that might help someone out there. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. The first ministration that I received from the Spirit of the Lord uh, was on August 31st. And then I had uh, another follow-up on September 1st. And I've since been meditating about a lot of these things. So I'm just going to share some of them, or I'll try to share as many as I can. And hopefully this will help someone out there. Uh, I did feel like uh, these were specifically shared with me to share with as many people as I could. So that's what I'm going to be doing on this episode of Unplugged. Now, there are three key takeaways from both of these ministrations that I can say. The one, one of them was get with heaven's agenda. Get with heaven's agenda. Now, we'll be diving into more of that once I start talking about some of these points. But the premise here is that if you look at the book, if you look at the Bible, for us believers, this is our, basically, this is how we do life. We, we, the Bible is what tells us, you know, what's happened in the past, what's currently happening and what's coming, what's what's going to happen in the future. So, but if you look at, at the Bible from the book of Genesis to Revelation, there is a forward, there's a forward pointing arrow that shows that things are building up towards a crescendo, so to say. If you're talking about music, you know, like a track builds up towards a crescendo, you know, that grand ending. So no matter what happens throughout all the stories, the things that happen from the book of Genesis to Revelation, there's one constant theme there. It is God is trying to win back his family. So heaven's agenda is moving forward. And for us who are Christian believers, we do understand that we're living in the last of the last days before the coming of Christ. So that's really important for us because there is um, something, uh, well, all of heaven is preparing for the return of Christ. Now, there's certain things that have been prophesied that have to happen. Uh, the revealing of the Antichrist, the son of perdition. The spirit of Antichrist is already here. That 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 That's not something that is going to happen in the future. No, the spirit of the Antichrist has already started happening on the earth. It's already sweeping across. And if you don't know, now you know. Uh, read your Bible. The spirit of the Antichrist is here. Go read the book of Thessalonians. Um, uh, the book of, I believe... Uh, maybe First Peter or Second Peter. Peter is telling the church about not to be ignorant that the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. And he talks about the characteristics of the spirit of the Antichrist. So 
the turmoil we see in the world, the pestilences, the plagues, the rumors of wars, and all of this is just really talking about that, um, I believe, Matthew 24, where Jesus is explaining to the disciples that these things will happen and then the end will come. So heaven's agenda is moving forward to, to bring about this moment in history, which is the the prophecy from the book of Daniel about uh, revealing of the Antichrist, uh, the war of Armageddon, and, and, and yeah, so all of these things, we are heading towards that. Now, as a believer, your life should be governed by heaven's agenda. You should get with the program. What this means is heaven is working towards something. Now, heaven's agenda also cannot be accomplished without us believers. Heaven's agenda moving forward means our lives as Christian people should also be moving forward and building up towards that crescendo. Because the scripture says we are joint laborers with Christ. Right? We are working together for the same purpose, for the same goal. Now, if heaven's agenda is moving forward by default, that, that governs how your life moves forward, which means if heaven's agenda wants to be set in place, that means it's going to need you to be at that place because heaven works through us. You know, God works through us on this planet. Likewise, the devil works through people. God also works through people. So in order for heaven to accomplish certain things, they need heaven works through people. So if you discern the times and you discern what is heaven doing right now, what is their schedule, what is their program, what is their agenda for this time in history, you should that should give you some discernment or awareness of where your life should be as well the things that you should be pursuing, what you should be praying about, what you should be growing, what areas should you be building your Christian life. Uh, so get with heaven's agenda. And then the other takeaway from, from both of these ministrations I received from the Spirit of the Lord was that it's time for us as Christian people to place more demand on the anointing of God in every area of our lives. It is time for us to place more demand on the anointing of God in every area of our lives. And as an illustration, we can only place more demand on the anointing of God by increasing our expectation for his deliverance. You can only place more demand on the anointing of God by increasing your expectation for his deliverance in your life. For instance, let us look at some of uh, some of some of the miracles that happened in the Bible, and these are very unique because we can clearly see that these people could have done without. And I remember one person saying that for as long as you can do without, you will live without. If if let's say for as long as you can do without being healed you will leave without being healed. For as long as you put up with a pain in your body, you will leave with a pain. 
But for as long as you say, no, 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 I can't live with pain in my body. You're placing a demand on the power of God to heal you from that pain. But before manifestation, there's an expectation that has to be built up in our spiritual wombs. So for as long as you can do without, you will do without. For as long as you can wait for it, you will wait for it. Now, I'm I'm working on I'm working on a series called Decoding the Mystery of Prayer and Manifestation. Now, as as Christians, the Lord has just been revealing to me, teaching me that we can categorize prayers or demands or the things we expect from God in, in three different categories. There is needs, there are wants and desires, and then there are uh, prophetic agendas. So those three different categories all have different expectations or they all manifest according to different times. So needs are supposed to be met immediately. There's a guarantee of, of, of meeting your needs. Philippians 4 19, my God shall supply all your needs. Um, so uh, your heavenly father knows what you need before you have before you ask him. So in our lives, there are three categories of we can, we can categorize our prayers probably in three different categories. So we have needs, but we also have desires and wants. But then there is destiny and prophetic agendas. You see, you cannot change a destiny or prophetic agenda because it is for an appointed time, right? Like, like the certain things, uh, for instance, Jesus was supposed to be born at a certain time, you know, in a certain city. And so you cannot, you, there's no prayer that you could do to fast track that right? So certain things have been set by God that this will happen at this time. Now, when th that's for destiny and prophetic agendas. Now, there's another category which we call, which I call desires and wants. Now, these, these are things that they can happen sooner or they can happen later. Now, this is where you need to press in and place a demand on the anointing of God. And then there are needs. Needs are supposed to be met the time when they're needed. There's, there's a specific time when your needs have to be met. You know, there's a specific time when you need to pay rent. There's a specific time when you need to pay your bills. There's a specific time when you need to make the payment. Uh, there's a, you know, if the doctor has given you a diagnosis that you have six months to leave, guess what? You need to be healed before six months. Otherwise, you will die. Now, you will depart and go and be with the Lord. But what I'm saying is that needs have a specific, there's a, there's a time constraint on them. You know? So there's a way in which we can appropriate our faith and, and cause manifestation to, be, to, to come within the specific time. Now, when it comes to wants and desires, that's very interesting, which I will, when I start to get into the series, I'll talk about that. But wants and desires, these are things that 
you desire, things that you want. They're not things that you need, but, but these are things that you want and you desire. You know, for instance, you need shelter, right? But you could want to live, let's say, in a million dollar house. Or it's not that you could, it's not that you would, you could want to live in a million dollar house. You could want to live in a house and the way the house is designed, where it's located, maybe that house costs a million dollars or two million dollars, right? But you need shelter, but that shelter can come in a, I don't know, like in a 500,000, in a house that maybe costs $500,000, in a house that costs $800,000 in a house that costs a million dollars, in a house that costs $2 million. You see, so there is a spectrum of this of this desire. Now, for those ones, it's very interesting how the Lord approaches them because in those ones, there's a certain posture from our heart where you can go to the Lord and say, you know, I really want that house. You know, it's beautiful. It's located in a nice location. It has a nice backyard. It has this number of rooms. It has this number of bathrooms. I love where it's located. It's close to this. And, you know, it just so happens that this house that you want or desire to live in costs $2 million or $1 million. Now, is it wrong to to want such a house? Now, some people might look at it and say, well, you know, why, you know, why it's, it's, it's not that you're desiring something because of the price. You're desiring something because of where it's located. Maybe you want to live by the water. You know, you know, different people have different tastes. You know, some people don't mind where they live. You know, uh, some people might desire to live by the water. You know, for instance, I'm a person who loves the outdoors. You know, I like to go to trails. I like running. I, 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 I like to do a lot of outdoorsy things. So uh, my, my preference for a house is an is in an area that is right you know that's next by the water i like to go on long walks and and meditate and pray but i like to do it in an area where there's beautiful scenery you know by the water by the ocean uh next to mountains next to you know uh so beautiful scenery for me is where i find myself spending a lot of time that's that's my lifestyle so you know my preference for house is not going to be in an area which is congested, you know, like in a downtown, you know, high rising type of, you know, apartment and stuff like that. No, I want solace. That's, 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 that's who, that's, that's what I do. So I may desire a house that because of where it's located, the price tag that they've put on it is $1.5 million or $2 million. So if someone else has that same desire, I'm, you know, I'm not going to crucify them. You know what I mean? Um, so anyways, so this is some interesting things that I've really been understanding from the Lord is that our, we, we have another category called desires and wants, you know, do you, do you need a husband right now? Do you need a wife right now? Um, I don't think you need a husband. I don't think you need a wife. Depending on... Um, now, that's very interesting since we're talking about this. So, 
So it's very interesting because in scripture, if you go back to the first time we see husband and wife coming together was Adam and Eve. Now, Adam was doing a certain, Adam was doing his work in the garden, right? So Adam did not even know that he needed a wife. That's a crazy thing, that he needed a partner. He was oblivious to that. But it's the Lord who saw the need for Adam to have a partner, right? Now, you might be in a season where you think, I need a husband or I need a wife. But, the, but from the Lord's point of view, what you think is a need, the Lord might categorize it as a want or a desire. So you might think, oh, I need a husband. I need a wife. But maybe what, and, and you might be praying for that from that angle. And yet according to the Lord's divine wisdom, infinite wisdom, he might say, no, my son or daughter, you don't need a husband right now. You want a husband. You know, it would be nice for you to have a husband or it would be nice for you to have a wife. But you do not necessarily need, like it's not urgent. Do you see what I mean? Like it's not that, oh, I need to be married right now, like this month, this week type thing. You know, you may have a desire, but it's not a need. So you might say, oh, I desire to be married next year or I desire to be married this year type thing. But it's not like a need, like 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 from God's point of view, it's not like if you do not get married, like by the end of this year, or if you don't get married next year, like, like you know, like all hell breaks loose type, type, type thing. So this is discernment that God has been teaching me and, and showing me that these three categories of our prayers, some of them. And this is where we need to be discerning with how the Lord sees them. Because if we see our prayers and categorize them according to how the Lord sees them, that means it realigns our expectation of their delivery and manifestation. So some things are needs. Some things are wants and desires. Whereas other things fall under the category of destiny and prophetic agendas. So this really changes how you think and how you fellowship or uh, how you approach the Lord on some of these things. Now, when it comes to needs, the category of needs and wants and desires, which I know a lot of people uh, may happen to have a lot of things in these categories, we can see in scripture that there are certain scenarios where people placed a demand on the anointing, which means that they could have waited six months or maybe a year, but they said no, and they put pressure on the anointing of God. They placed a demand. Maybe pressure might sound, uh, someone might say, yeah, you can't pressure the anointing of God. Look, look, at more, look at it more from the standpoint. They put a demand on the anointing of God for that thing to be done at that time when they so desired it and, and it happened. Whereas they could have waited and done without. 
So all of this to say is that um, one of the things the Spirit of the Lord was saying to me is that we need to place more demand on the anointing of God in every area of our lives. Now, so these are some of the miracles in the Bible where we see people placing a demand on the anointing. And these things happen sooner rather than later. Okay, so we all know of how Jacob wrestled with God all night until he was blessed. Now, Jacob could have waited. But from his point of view, he's, there's a faith that he stepped into and said, no, 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 no. I'm no longer going to wait to be blessed. He wrestled with God all night until he was blessed that night. Basically, he wrestled until the angel of the Lord blessed him. Basically, he got into a place where he said, I, I can no longer do without the blessing of God upon my life. So as Christians, you got to come to a certain point where you have to start wrestling with God. And it's more like a, a faith your faith wrestles with the anointing of God and says, no, 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 no. There are certain things that I can no longer wait to be blessed in the future. No, 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 no. Certain things you got to start saying, Lord, I'm going to keep pulling on the hem of your garment until I am healed. Uh, this, this can no longer wait. Like this has to, this has to happen now. So Jacob wrestled with God all night and he, until he was blessed. Now, we also know, which leads me to the next point. The woman in Mark chapter 5, we read about the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years, this woman had dealt with, had, had, had this issue of blood. And the scripture says she was nothing better, but, but rather grew worse. She had met with every doctor. She had tried everything and nothing was happening. Now, according to the law, the 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 law, the law, the, the the laws of cleanliness that we read about in Leviticus and Exodus, people who had discharge from their body, especially the issue of blood, they could not be in public. They could not be in public because they were considered as a contaminant. But there's something which says that as the crowd pressed on him, Jesus was thronged by the multitudes. This woman, for some reason, got to a point where she says, okay, if the doctors have failed to heal me, like, God must heal me. You have to, there's certain things I'm starting to see in scripture that you have to use more of a demanding attitude. Like, she was like, he must heal me and I have to be healed immediately. The scripture says, for she kept on saying, if I may only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. If I may only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Now, for us to see that she was really placing a demand on this anointing is because of this. It's, the scripture says the multitude thronged him. It was only until this woman touched him with this demand that you have to heal me when I touch you. It says, the scripture says that Jesus felt virtue, power flow out of him. And he turned around and says, who touched me? For I perceive power has flown out of me. But also the scripture said before that, that the multitude thronged him. 
that means there was so many people were touching him, but it was this woman who touched him in faith, like with an expectation of Jacob, meaning I'm going to wrestle with you until you heal me, until you bless me today, this week. This woman touched him with that expectation of no, 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 no. This can no longer happen. More like you're my last resort and it has to happen. So these moments where we have to come to what the spirit of the Lord is telling me that we have to reactivate this kind of expectation as a body of Christ. Like this woman, people were touching Jesus, but none of them was being healed. But this woman touched him with an expectation. And she only wanted to touch the hem of his garment. You know, some people could have been touching him on the shoulder. Some people could have been touching him everywhere. For her, she just wanted to touch the hem of his garment. And when she did, the power of God flew out of him into her. And she was immediately healed. Okay. Then another scenario. In, in Matthew chapter 15, we see this story of a Canaanite woman. This is also pretty cool. Again, this is just another scenario on how we place a demand on the anointing of God. Think about it. In Romans chapter 1, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'll just quickly find that here. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of, of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now, this woman in Matthew chapter 15, this woman was not a Jew. And, and Jesus said to her, he says, Behold, he says, Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. Do you know why? Because the, the gospel that had come was first to the Jew and then to the Greek, to the Gentile. And this woman was not a Jew. So it was not her time to receive healing based on how, how this had been set up. That's why he answered her not a word. She was not a Jew. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Listen to this part. This is Matthew 15, chapter 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto the lost sheep. Of, it says, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She was not of the house of Israel. He was sent first to the house of Israel. She was not of the house of Israel. But listen, this woman placed a demand on the anointing. Says, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. So she's saying, he's saying, she's saying, it's not your time yet. She's saying, no, 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 no. I cannot do without this. Oh, that's faith that stirs up God and just makes him go nuts. She came and said and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. 
Listen to what she said. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. So this woman, everything that Jesus was saying, she was countering it. She was countering it. She was wrestling with the anointing and saying, I cannot do without my daughter being healed. Because he then said, it's not meat to take the children's bread to cast it to the dogs. She did not even take offense that she was almost referred to as a dog because she was outside of the house of Israel. But she said, truth, Lord. She said, that's true. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall off their master's table. Wow. And then it says in verse 28, this is Matthew 15, 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Her daughter was made whole from that very hour. This is what the Spirit of the Lord once communicated to me, and this this is what the, the this is what the Lord wants to stir up in us as Christian believers, especially at this critical time in history, and based on heaven's agenda and timeline. We need to step into the realm where we have to start saying, "I cannot do without the Lord blessing me. I cannot do without the Lord healing me." And you place an immediate demand on the healing power of God. Let's look at another example. Let's let's talk, let's look at another example. So in John chapter two is this famous story of Jesus standing water into wine. Now, again, here's here's how you see that you can place a demand on the anointing of God for things to happen sooner than later for things to happen now for things to happen today instead of tomorrow this is john chapter 2 it says and and the third day there was a marriage in cana of galilee and the mother of jesus was there and both and both jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage and when they wanted wine Mm. Ah, do you see that? And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. So they did not need wine. They wanted wine. So he's another scenario where they placed a demand on the anointing for something they wanted. Because it says when they wanted wine, they had run out of wine. So did they still need wine? No, they didn't need wine per se, that if no more wine was available, that, you know, the wedding, you know, would have been canceled or would have... They wanted wine, but they did not need wine. Maybe at the beginning of the wedding, they needed wine, according to how they celebrated the, 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 the wedding tradition. Yeah, what do we need for the wedding? We need wine. Now, they run out of wine. 
and they wanted more wine. So it went from a need to a want. To a want. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, they have no wine. So this is what I was saying at the beginnings of these different categories of prayers or expectations we can have of the Lord. Some things are categorized under needs. Other things are categorized under wants and desires. Do you see that? So they wanted wine. Now, listen to this. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with you? My hour is not yet come. This was the first miracle that Jesus ever did. Turning water into wine. He said, my hour is not yet come. In verse 5, it just goes on to say, His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. Now, here's again two scenarios, just like the, uh, the, the faith of the Canaanite woman. It wasn't her time yet to receive the gospel, to, to because Jesus had been sent unto the house of Israel. She wasn't part of the house of Israel. She was a Syrophoenician woman. Here's another scenario in John chapter 2. Uh, Jesus feels like it's not yet his time to start performing miracles. He says, my hour is not yet come. But his mom bypassed that. And she said, whatsoever, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. So she placed a demand on the anointing. So they could have, the wedding could have ended without wine. But she placed a demand on the anointing, which is more like she went from, uh-uh. We're not just going to finish this wedding with water. No, no, no. We're going to finish this wedding with wine, just like it started. So they could have done without the wine, but they say, no, no, no. We're not going to do without it. So you see the change, the change in posture of faith caused the power of God to manifest sooner than later. Then there's another scenario that we see. The lame man who was led down through the roof, the paralytic man, by his friends. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, the scene is set up. Jesus is at his house. He's teaching. Uh, this is from Luke chapter 5. Let me see if I can find it. So it says, and it came to pass, Luke chapter 5 verse 17 says, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that they were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which will come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And this is the key phrase. It says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now that also gives us different insight. Whenever the power of God is present, whenever the Lord is present anywhere, he's not just present for sure. 
he's we have to start placing a demand on the anointing of God everywhere. You know, even if when the scripture says where two or three are gathered, I mean they're meet. So whenever you and a friend get together, we should increase the expectation that just by having you and someone else communing and talking about the Lord and fellowshipping with him, you should do that with an expectation that he's going to touch you both in a special way. That it just takes the two of you for the power of God to be triggered. I mean, for you for you two to place a demand. It says the power, the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but these people did not know. These people did not know. However, some people had insight on this. They had revelation. Because it says, and behold, men brought in a bed. Men brought in a bed, a man, which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before the Lord. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. He goes on to tell him, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And, and you know, he goes on to tell him, uh, Rise up, take up thy bed, and go to thy house. Now, here's another scenario where these people could have done without. Because they came to this house and they said, There's like thousands of people who were surrounding the entrance. And they couldn't get in. But you see, for them, they came to a point where it's like, we have to get healed today. You have to receive your healing today. And so they placed a demand on the anointing. They increased the expectation. They said, no, 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 no. Because think about it. These guys could have gone back and said, I will catch him at another time. But they said, no, 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 no. We can't do without. We can't do without healing right now. They could have waited. The moment they came to Jesus' house and saw thousands of people, they could have said, oh, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll catch him tomorrow. But they, they, they instead said, okay, we can't get him through the door. They went up to the roof and tore his roof. They took off the roof. They took off the roof. And that's crazy. This is crazy faith. They could have easily just, when they arrived, they could have said, there's too many people, you know, just forget it. We'll get him at another time. But there may never be another time. If you need your breakthrough, there comes a moment when you need your breakthrough at that time. When the, it's just, you've just about had enough. You can't take any more. And you need your breakthrough now. And you have to put a demand on the anointing of God. And in, you have to strike yourself. Man, if, if it means being like, I don't even know, like, if it means pouring out your alabaster jar on his feet, there comes a time when you, you groan, you have to fight and wrestle for the anointing of God. And you say, no, I've had enough. I'm not taking any more. 
these people, these four friends and their paralytic friend could have turned around and gone back. But they say, no, there's got to be a way in. And they say, okay, let's go up to the roof. So they had to carry him up the roof. Then they had to tear off the roof. Then they had to let him down. And the scripture says, and Jesus saw their faith. Everybody else there just came to hear someone without expectation. Some people were just going to the floor. They were just being nonchalant about this. And it's crazy because when this happened, <laughs> because in verse 25, Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 25 says, and, he, and immediately he rose up before them and took up that where, where whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And it says, and they were all amazed and they glorified God. And they were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. So some people, the presence of God is around. But some, I don't know about you. Some, some Christians okay with just continue to go to church just for a tradition. And say, yeah, you know, the Lord will heal, will heal me in the sweet by and by. You know, the Lord will do it in his own time. Uh, this is the problem with the body of Christ. We have lost this expectation of immediate delivery. We have lost it. Satan has stolen it away from us. There are things we're willing to do without. There are pains. There are things we're, we, we're, we're okay putting up with. You're okay with putting up with a little pain. You're okay with putting up with, with, with this back pain. You're okay putting up with this in your eyes. You're okay putting up with this. You're okay putting up with this. Before you know it, Satan has taken all your territory. Like he's encroached in everything. One, one of the people that I, I call a spiritual father, he said, I fight a headache any pain, any headache pain, or any flu or cold, I fight it as if it's a cancer diagnosis. And that's the attitude that I carry around. Some people, and I'm not trying to pick on anyone, I'm just telling you that when we don't have this kind of expectation, the power of God is not released. It says the power of God was present to heal them. But why wasn't it healing them? They did not have expectation. The power of God is present to heal across and sweep across in hospitals, in churches, everywhere. We saw, it says, and Jesus wrought great miracles by the, work, by the hands of the apostles. It says they would bring people into the streets on beds, people who are sick, people who are dying. Basically, this person has like 10 minutes to live. And they would drag them into the presence of the apostles. There was so much healing that needed to be done to the point whereby it's almost like the, another dimension of the healing power of God was released because it was just not feasible to go around touching everyone's hands. So all Peter was doing, he was walking across and all people needed was to come under his shadow and they would be healed. To, to another point, it was just no longer enough to just keep on laying hands on people. 
Paul would lay hands on handkerchiefs and that anointing would be carried and placed on someone that would be healed. But we have lost this desire. Anyways, the, the point was, when I had this person talk about that, they fight even a headache or a cold or flu as if it's a cancer diagnosis. I said, that's, that's my new approach. When I feel a sudden headache coming, I curse the thing out. I curse the thing out. When I feel a flu or cold, I am so angry. I'm so disappointed that my body even has the audacity to let the thing in. I, I, any pain, I, I, just an anger rises up in me. Because I'm not going to wait. I, I, I'm not willing. Because when you have that attitude, if the devil sees that, man, if I try this guy even with a headache or a flu or a cold and a pain and he's just fighting me like this, what is he going to do if I bring something worse? He'll just give up on you. He'll just be like, ah, that guy don't even bother with him. Even if we try to put a, a, a flu on him, he treats it like we put cancer, cancer on him. Yeah. You, you see, the scripture says, <laughs> scripture says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know, but who are you? The devil has to know you that for you, when it comes to messing with your family, you're not even going to entertain it. This is the same way when the Lord was teaching me how to fight. Um, when I, when I was trying, when I was regaining a pure mind and letting go of a lot of, uh, nasty thinking, a lot of, uh, um, fornicative thoughts. Letting a lot when 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 I when I asked the Lord to work with me on regaining the the purity of my mind, He said you have to treat every thought, anything that comes into your mind, of oh, look at that woman, you know she's beautiful, and any attempt to start thinking of her, you know maybe, you know in your mind you can start you, to to maybe even try to undress her. The moment you know to not even any thought that comes in to just be like, to not entertain, that's how you fight. You know, you have to fight the devil when this is, <laughs> and that other person, you know, the person that said, um, I consider the spiritual father, he, he said, some people fight the devil, wait for the devil to come in, you know, into their house to start fighting them. Other people, hear that the devil is a hundred miles away and they send soldiers basically to tell him you're not allowed to come into a hundred mile radius some people wait for the for the devil to knock at their door so this was the what, what the lord was teaching me is that if you want to fight fornicative thoughts and, and 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 maintain a pure mind every thought that comes in you have to be so aggressive with it that you crush it, even if it's just a thought of saying, oh, you know, um, you know, you know, like, you know, you, you know, you look at a, you, you look at a woman, and she, you know, she, you know, she's beautiful. And, and, and in your mind, you kind of start letting your mind wander. It is it, like, don't let your mind even wander. Like, like, the, you know, at, at five seconds in, you, you gotta be saying, okay, no, 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 stop. 
we're not we're, we're not gonna want it longer than five minutes it's five six you two minutes is too long five minutes is too long it's like you gotta shut it down boom and when i started to apply that it's when i was able to not have to fight now when when a th when 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 uh impure thoughts become a stronghold in your mind because that you know once it once it's in there for 10 minutes it's hard to get it out the things we have to fight be before they become strongholds because once it becomes a stronghold now that's a different fight you have to fight the devil from a distance the moment you smell him the moment you hear he's in the area you start getting aggressive you start to fire your weapons this is how you place the demand on the anointing of the power of God. You get to a point where you say, no, 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 no. I have to receive my healing tonight. This, this, this miracle has to happen tonight. This has to happen today. I have to get my new job today. I have to get that contract this week. This has to happen today. And you tell, and you tell him, Lord, this has to happen today. I'm setting my faith on today, on now, and I'm expecting it to happen now. And if you wake up, you go to bed, it didn't happen that day. You wake up the next morning and you say, Father, I am still touching you. I am letting you know I can no longer do without this. I need it now. I want it now. Send it now. Deliver me now. You change your terminology. That's why the scripture says, the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. You cannot do exploits without an aggressive attitude of your faith. Some of our prayers should become decrees. Thou shalt be a de shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. There's so many miracles we see in Jesus' ministry, the apostles, and a lot of things happen immediately. And I think as a body of Christ, we have to reclaim the expectation of immediate deliverance and breakthrough. I was thinking about Elijah. Elijah this was a guy that the more I read about Elijah, the, there are some people that knew God, and that's why they did exploits. Elijah, this guy is crazy. Elijah placed a demand on the anointing of God for rain. Remember, he had first made a decree that he will not rain. And it stopped raining. Now, they came another time when he, he said it will rain. So he needed to change the power of God to flow in the opposite way. Now, if you hear what he said, you, you will know that this guy was different. He placed the demand on the anointing of God and things happened in that time frame. So in, in, in Fast Kings, we see where Elijah uh, prays for rain. 
Uh, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, this is in First Kings chapter. Um, this is in First Kings. Yeah. When he was praying for rain, Elijah basically told his servant to go and look. Yeah, so Elijah prays for rain. So this is this is the kind of expectation he placed on the on the demand and anointing of God. So this is in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 to 46. I want you to see how he placed a demand on this anointing. It says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So this is him. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. So he, he's praying. He's praying for rain. He needs rain. He has decreed. He's, he's, he's released the decree and said, there is a sound of abundance of rain. There's no rain yet, but this is how he placed a demand on the anointing of God. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And his servant went up and looked and said, there is nothing. There is nothing. Elijah could have done without rain. Elijah basically could have spoken his decree and said, forget it. But the point came when he said, I've already spoken it and I know the Lord can do it. So now I have to place a demand for rain to come down now. When the servant told him there is nothing, Elijah told him, Elijah said, go again seven times. So every time the servant will come up and say there is nothing, Elijah will say, no, 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 God, no, rain has to come down now. He would send the servant, the servant would come back and say nothing. The servant, he sent him back and forth seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Elijah's like, okay, we got it. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So this is another scenario where Elijah could have done without. And he could have given up, but he kept on saying, no, 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 go again. The servant came back and said nothing. No, no, no. Elijah was still had his head bowed between his knees and said, I will not stop. I've said, Lord, it has to rain and it has to rain. So when you study Elijah, you start to see there are people who know their God, who do exploits because they know their God. And they can't do without. They get to a point where they wrestle with God. They wrestle for the anointing to be healed. They wrestle for the anointing to be delivered. And they do not say, you know, the Lord will do it. The Lord will send rain in his own time. No, 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 no. Elijah said, 
rain today. It's happening. He's the same guy who would, a few chapters back, called all the prophets of the false gods and said, let's all go up to the mountain. Let every person call down fire by their God. Elijah knew how to place a demand on the anointing of God. It was so powerful. And this is what the Spirit of the Lord wants us to get back to. Let us start placing a demand on the anointing. Now, I'm just going to call this part one. And then I didn't even get to dive into point by point some of the things that uh, the Spirit of the Lord uh, laid on my heart. But I'm just going to stop here for now and let you ponder on some of the things I've said. And in the next episode of Unplugged, I will dive into the things that the Spirit of the Lord communicated to me, you know, point point by point, and, and, and we shall get to see how the Spirit leads the flow. But the key takeaway I want for you today is I'm, I've reactivated this in my life. I've reactivated this in my life. This is why when Paul says, pray without ceasing, it means you keep on, Elijah prayed without ceasing. We have to get to the point where our expectation is like, Lord, I say that this job offer would come in today and I haven't seen the letter, so I'm, uh, 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 I'm, it has to come tonight. You, you wake up in the morning and it's not there. It didn't come at night. You said, no, 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 it has to come in the morning. It doesn't come in the morning. You said, Lord, it has to come by midday. You're placing a demand. You're pulling. You're pulling on the anointing. And eventually something breaks and, and, and you get your delivery. We have to get to a point where we can no longer do without. So, Selah, think about it and ponder on some of the things I've shared. This was Unplugged, and I hope this episode blessed your heart. Your host for today was Calvin Kabanda. Thanks for listening, and see you on the next episode. Thank you.